Welcome to the Flint Citadels podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. This is Palm Sunday. This is a time when Christ was headed, surely, to meet his earthly end. And yet, it was a time of rejoicing, and we should be rejoicing as well. When Christ went through that march for us, we weren't even an imaginary thought. And yet, he died on the cross for us. Knows every hair on our head. Knows all those little things that we do, and we think, rats, I blew it again. I'm really sorry, Lord. He knows all about it, and yet he can let it go and cast it as far away as the east is from the west. That's an awesome, awesome gift that he gives to us. As that gift comes around, we should be keeping in mind that it didn't come without a price, and it's a gift that we should treasure. Won't you pray this morning? Father, we so much look forward to uh, the Sundays that come and our opportunities to uh, quiet our hearts and wait upon you. So as we meet together this morning, Lord, renew our strength. Help us to be fired up. Help us be on fire for you. And help others to see that burning desire to walk your walk so that they might want to be a part of that as well. And now, Lord, as we have many prayer concerns listed, we would add one more, and that is that, uh, that Beth and Andrew go through the process of becoming new parents and do it in as smooth as possible way so that you can bring them back here with that new life and give us all the opportunity to raise and be a part of the life that will be. Bless us now, Father, as we worship together. Fortunately, we ask. Amen. Have you ever gotten to know a really bad person? By that I mean, have you ever had a chance to sit and um, just kind of talk with someone who's who's really messed up in their life and, and maybe caused people a lot of chaos and a lot of heartache? In the course of uh, my life, especially as a Salvation Army officer, um, I've had opportunity to talk with all kinds of people. There have been troubled teenagers that have become a danger to themselves and their families. Adults who have turned to crime because of addictions to drugs and alcohol. Women who have sold their bodies to make a living. 
and who perhaps were abused when they were children themselves, and people who um, are suffering from different kinds of mental illnesses, some of whom are almost like uh, ticking time bombs. Or there's this man who was in jail awaiting trial for armed robbery. He had requested to speak to a minister, and when the minister arrived, he just kind of glared at him. And after a few uncomfortable minutes, he began to tell his story. It seems that uh, his father had, had beaten him unmercifully as a little boy, and he had the scars on his body to prove it. At the age of eight, his father deserted the family, and his mother began to entertain a succession of men in the home. When he was about 10 years old, his mother taught him how to steal and encouraged him to um, take anything that he could get his hands on. Later, as he entered his teen years, his mother systematically turned him against every symbol of authority and responsibility. She taught him to hate school. She taught him to hate the church. And she taught him to hate the law. When he was 14, his father returned for a brief time and in an alcoholic rage almost killed both him and his mother. When he was well enough, he slipped out of the hospital, never to return home again. And of course, to survive, he did the only thing he knew how to do. He robbed and he stole. On and on went the tragic details of his life. And as he shared, this minister's fear turned into more of a sense of sorrow for this criminal, this man who was consumed with anger and was a menace to himself and to the people around him. He had committed some terrible crimes and he needed to be imprisoned. The community needed to be protected from him. And amazingly, this man who in his whole life couldn't recall a single moment of tenderness told the minister that he himself wanted to be in prison. He knew that he needed to be confined and restrained. He knew the potential for evil that was within him. He had called the minister there that day because he wanted to tell someone about his decision, kind of as a way of saying, I'm sorry, as a way of trying to rectify something of a wasted life. That day, that minister left that meeting with a different perspective on this man than he had when he walked into that room. Yes, he was evil. Yes, he was dangerous. Yes, he needed to be locked up. But the minister discovered that he was a human being and that this man was hurting deep inside. That minister realized, in fact, that everyone, even people that we might consider to be bad people, they have a story to tell. And when you hear their story, it's amazing how you can come away with a, a different perspective, a different feeling about them. There's another bad guy that we remember this time of year, and I'd like to tell you about him. His name is, of course, Judas Iscariot. He is one of the most reviled men in all of human history. And I wonder, what's his story? Why did he betray his master? Of course, I'm not the first person to ask that question. And over the years, many answers have been suggested. Some have suggested that Judas was undone by his greed and his, his love for money. But if that's so, then Judas was really a lousy crook. He could have struck a better bargain than 30 pieces of silver. And almost immediately after um, Jesus was arrested, Judas threw the money back. He gave the money back and went out and took his own life. No, I don't think it is as simple as that, that he was just greedy. Some have said that he was planted among Jesus' closest followers.
followers so that he could betray Jesus at just the right time. There are certain people who love a conspiracy. You know, the CIA killed Kennedy and, and our government um, blew up the World Trade Center and, and just one after another, people love a conspiracy. It seems like some want to explain everything as part of some grand conspiracy. But again, that seems to be too simple of an explanation to explain Judas. On the more spiritual side, there are those who would argue that um, it was predestined that Judas should be the betrayer. It was all a part of God's master plan, and Judas was just playing out his part. But I wonder, how do you balance that with, um, with God's grace and with God's gift of free will, freedom of choice? Did Judas have a choice? Or was he simply predestined from ages past to be the betrayer? Still others have said that perhaps there was a political strategy on Judas' part. He was simply trying to force the issue to bring the showdown, to make Jesus act. And then Jesus would bring in his kingdom with power. Judas might have reasoned, I'll force the issue, I'll, I'll put him in a position where he has no choice. He has to react with force. He has to establish his kingdom. And when it's all over and when it's all done, he'll thank me for what I've done. But still others think Judas simply acted out of fear. The tides were turning against Jesus and the disciples. There was a groundswell of opposition that was was rising up. And Judas just got scared and sold out simply to save his own skin. Why did Judas do it? Why did he betray Jesus? Was he just a bad person? Was he just predestined to be the betrayer? Or does Judas have a story to tell as well?
emerges from the Garden of Gethsemane after his agonizing ordeal in prayer. Jesus and his sleepy disciples descend to the Kidron Valley. Coming up from the valley, Jesus enters an olive grove. His hour has come. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away on the guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The men seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus, and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you, teaching in the temple courts, and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him and fled.
fact that um, that Jesus has taken our sins, that they've been nailed to his cross, that we don't have to worry about those sins anymore makes you want to worship. But um, I hope it does. I hope that is so real to you, the power of the cross, the um, fact that our sins can be forgiven, thrown into the sea of God's forgetfulness, and he can take and use us. I hope that excites you. I hope it makes you want to worship and serve him. This morning we want to spend some time in prayer, and if, if you just want to tell God how thankful you are for what he's done for us in Christ, want to leave some time for you to stand and to pray or to sit and to pray. If you'd like to lead out in prayer, please do. But let's just thank God. Let's worship him. Let's worship him in prayer. If you'd like to pray, please do. a ringing in our ears, a crowd crying out. As you approach the village, a crowd with some who are hostile and others who don't know what it's all about. Help us to make sure this morning where we stand, how we would shout out, how we would proclaim you the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, and make sure that it's not just words by emotion, but it's words by fact. Thank you for your love to us for being willing to go through this week which we enter upon as relates to your life. Accept our gratitude for answered prayer and accept our pleading for continued strength to walk as we should walk. We pray in Christ's name. Lord, this morning we are here to worship you. We recognize that on that first Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago, they too came out to worship you, but turned on you by the end of the week. Lord, we don't want to be counted among that crowd. We don't want to worship you this morning only to deny you once we're back in our everyday life. We agree this morning with that chorus that you are worthy, that you are lovely, and you certainly are wonderful. God, you have blessed us with blessings beyond measure. You have brought healing. You've done so much, Lord. Yet, Lord, too often we deny you by our words, by our actions, by our lack of zeal. We say we trust you, and then we turn around and we trust ourselves instead. We say we love you, but then we fail to spend much time alone with you. Like Judas, we are capable of listening to your word preached and read, while at the same time missing the message. God, I pray that we would not be guilty of that sin this Easter season, but that, Lord, your word would sink in deeply that we would consider all you've done for us and that, Lord, the response would be simply worship. 
accept our worship. And Lord, if it's not perfect, then then God help us to discover those things that stand between us and a, a clear line to you. And may you do that in this morning's meeting. For we pray it all in Jesus' name.
why did Jesus have a disciple like Judas? Why did Judas betray Jesus? I shared some theories earlier in the meeting, but let me propose one more. Maybe it was as simple as the fact that he misunderstood Jesus. And he missed the whole point of who Jesus was and what Jesus was trying to do. Perhaps Judas missed a lot of things. Perhaps Judas missed the message. On December 17, 1903, Orville and Wilbur Wright kept their handmade airplane in the air for 12 whole seconds. It was an incredible accomplishment. Doesn't seem like much to us in this day and age. One version of the story goes that um, they sent a telegram back to their sister in Dayton, Ohio, which read something like this. First sustained flight today. Hope to be home for Christmas. Well, as you imagine, the excited sister took this incredible news to the local newspaper to share. And the next morning, to her shock and dismay, here's what the headline read. Popular local bike merchants to be home for holidays. Incredible news had just happened. The biggest story of of history in aviation. And they missed the whole point of the story because the editor missed the significance of the message. Judas missed the message. But I wonder this morning, how often do we miss the message of Jesus? Jesus came preaching love, not force. Forgiveness, not vengeance. Mercy, not cruelty. Kindness, not hatred. And like Judas, sometimes we too miss that message, don't we? We still believe in power and force. We still have too much vengeance and hostility in this world and sometimes in our own lives, bitterness and and, and things that just rise up and cause such discord. We often excuse ourselves by saying of Jesus' message, He really didn't mean it literally. But don't be so quick to spiritualize Jesus' message. He showed us that he meant it. He showed us that he meant it on Good Friday. He showed us on the cross. So, if we don't want to be traitors to Christ, then we must not make the mistake that Judas made. We must not miss his message. His message of love and forgiveness. But Judas also missed the mandate. The command of Jesus through his ministry and teachings was to trust God, to obey God, to be faithful to God. Perhaps this was another place where Judas slipped up. Maybe he was trying to to make Jesus do it his way. Maybe he was trying to use Jesus, trying to manipulate him, trying to play God and make it all come out the way he thought it should come out. Have you ever been guilty of that? Come on, if you're honest. Have you ever tried to play God? Have you ever tried to manipulate him to get your outcome? Think of your prayer life. What do you say in your prayers? God, do this. God, bless me. God, fix this problem. God, give me this or that. Work it out this way for me. This is is what I want to have happen, God, just like this. But here's our mandate. We're called to be faithful. We're not called to be successful. We're called to serve God and to be obedient to God. We're called to know Him deeply, to seek His will, to do the best we can to live the life 
in the way that would please him. And then to trust God to do the rest. Trust God kind of with the results. But we'll do all the things he's instructed us to do. But Judas missed that message. And he missed the mandate. And I'm afraid sometimes, if we're honest, we miss it too. Judas may also have missed his moment. Actually, Judas missed two key moments which could have changed his life. If he had seized either of these moments, today his name would be honored instead of a name that we attach with shame and betrayal. And people would be naming their kids Judas. Beth and Andrew would be thinking about a name and they'd say, I'm going to name him Judas because Judas is such a, a godly man, I want my child to be just like him. But that's not the way it came out, is it? That first moment for Judas came at the Last Supper there in that upper room on Thursday night. Jesus offered bread to Judas. This was very significant. It was a significant moment because bread was a symbol of forgiveness. By custom, to dip a morsel of bread or meat into a dish and then hand it to, to someone was a, de- a token of deep personal relationship and friendship. Jesus was offering to Judas his love, his friendship. He was offering reconciliation and a way out of the deception that was unfolding. In short, Jesus was offering Judas a chance. He was offering him forgiveness. In effect, he was saying, Judas, I know and I still love you. It's not too late, Judas. You don't have to go through with this. The crowning blow was that even after Jesus offered this symbol of love and friendship, even as he did that, Judas made his decision, his resolve to betray him. Jesus saw it in his eyes and perceived what was happening. And he said to Judas, do quickly what you are about to do. But that, even that wasn't Judas' last moment. Still later, even after he had gone ahead and betrayed the Lord and Jesus had been arrested, Judas could have been forgiven. Think about it. All the disciples ran away to a man. Every disciple fled, deserting Jesus. And yet they were all forgiven. Judas could have been forgiven too. Even after what he had done, he could have made a comeback. The big difference between Simon, Peter, and Judas is that while Peter failed Jesus, he recovered. He bounced back. But Judas thought his failure was final. There was no hope. And so he took his own life. I think eternity will show that the unseized moments of life are the stuff tragedy is made of. The unseized moments of helping someone in need when you see that need. Of listening, of caring, of expressing appreciation, of giving or accepting forgiveness, of commitment. Think of all the unseized moments in your own life. Judas missed his moment. And sometimes, if we're honest, so do we. Malcolm Mugridge is said to have written, Both Mother Teresa and I visited Calcutta many years ago. We both saw the wretched people there and shivered. She stayed and did something about it. I went home and did nothing. This morning, I want you to know, you don't have to go home having done nothing. When God speaks when he directs you, when 
you understand what he would have you to do, and God has a way of doing that. I can't tell you how that is, but God has a way of letting you know through his Holy Spirit what it is you need to do. When he does that, don't let that moment, don't let that opportunity pass you by like Judas did. Don't believe the lie that God can't forgive you, that God can't still use you, that God can't take whatever messes you've made and that he can't forgive you and can't give you meaning and purpose in life. In life's great moments, what do you do? Do you freeze up? Are you indecisive? Do you start weighing things? Judas missed the message. He missed the mandate. And he missed the moment. And it was his undoing. could be our undoing too. It could be your undoing if you miss the moment when God moves, when God speaks. You see, while it's okay to grapple with the theological question, why did Judas betray Jesus? The real question for us today isn't, isn't really that. It, it's why do we? Why do we betray Jesus? I rather suspect that we um, often betray Jesus because we miss the whole point of who he is and what he's trying to do. He didn't come to set up glorious churches. <laughs> he didn't come uh, for us to have great stats on our stats list. He didn't come so we can uh, do many of the things that we put a lot of effort into. Sometimes we just miss the moments and the opportunities. I don't know if you've missed the message of Jesus and have substituted a gospel of maybe personal fulfillment instead of one of humble service. I want to be blessed. I want to feel God's presence. I want to feel His good pleasure. I want Him to bless me and give me all these things I've always dreamed of. I don't know if you've missed the mandate to live a life of simple faith and holiness. That's what He's looking for. But this morning, you have this moment you have this moment to make a new start. God offers it out to us as He offers every moment of life. But if the Spirit is speaking, He's offering you this moment. What will you do? How will you respond to Jesus? This is your moment. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the moments of life. We don't know how many we're going to be given. We don't know when our lives will end. We don't know when we'll be unable to perhaps do the things we, would, um, we think we're going to be able to do in the future. All we have is now. Lord, I pray on this Palm Sunday as we head into Holy Week that, um, Lord, your Holy Spirit would speak to our own hearts about the important matters in our own life. I don't know what they are for each person here, but you do, Lord. You know even better than they do. And, and I just trust you now, Lord, that you will reveal to each of us that moment, what it is that you would have us to do, understanding that we will be accountable for what we do, for the decision we make, just as Judas made his decisions and forfeited his place in eternity with you. Um, Lord, I pray that we would never be guilty of such a thing. But even in lesser matters, Lord, might we not miss the moment that you bring our way. We know, Lord, that we're unworthy of your love. But you grant us that love anyway. Come, Lord, in your Holy Spirit's power. Speak to our own hearts. And God, let us know without any doubt what it is you'd have us to do. And Lord, for our part, we'll just surrender to you. Say, your will be done.
Lord, you know our hearts. You know our fears. You know our weaknesses and sinful ways. You know that we are prone to wonder and are even capable of betrayal. And the truth is, we know it too. Lord, help us to be loyal to your covenant. Please look past our faults and into the deepest part of our spirit where we love you with all of our being. And help us to live more and more in the power of your spirit. In this holy week leading up to Easter, Lord, help us to take advantage of every opportunity to tell others about your love for them and to show them that love in practical ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Now we're going to sing, Give to Jesus Glory. This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's Morning Worship Experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Kersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.